0: Good morning. New series, y'all ready? Yeah. All right, it's our vision series. Why do we have a vision? We, we, hey, we do a vision series every single September. It's like back to school, right? Like It's like the kickoff series every year. Um, why do we do this? And I say this all the time. Because I think our vision and our values, I think they're a calling. I think they actually matter. I think this church is consequential. And you know I say this all the time. I believe our vision and values set us up to usher in a new kind of Christianity for the next 500 years, right? I always say that, but I absolutely believe it. And so that's why we're going to talk about our vision and values again this year. We're going to do that again because here's what I want you to do. If you are, have been here for seven years, we're going to be seven years old. It's a good thing, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you've been here for seven years, this is going to sound super familiar. It's going to feel like a reminder. Good. Recommit to this church. Uh, recommit to volunteering. Recommit to giving. Recommit to being a part of this community. And if you're new here, I challenge you to do the same thing. I challenge you to hear our vision and values, and then commit to giving, commit to being a part of the community, to commit to volunteering and serving. Invest in this place, because I truly believe that this investment matters. It's going to change things. I really believe that. That being said, I want to talk about our vision today. What's our vision? And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, i keep doing this. Can you just turn me down just a little tiny bit? It's like if I hear a little hissing, I just, I don't know, I get thrown off. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, It says this, Forefront is a church dedicated to a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. That's what we are. That's our vision. When I heard this vision four years ago, a friend of mine gave it to us. I, uh, I was like, well, the generous part is super simple. Like, that feels good. I'm down for that. Christianity is generous. In fact, we're going to spend a whole week talking about generosity and that, how that looks in our church community. But I struggled. I struggled with the just part of it. Like, really struggled. Because when we're talking about the just part of Christianity, we're talking about justice. We're talking about God's justice. Now, they say that pastors preach out of their woundedness. Y'all, I'm preaching out of my woundedness, for sure. Because God's justice growing up for me was a difficult thing. Now, here's why it was difficult. Because God's justice always felt like wrath. That's what it always felt like. When people talked about the justice of God, for me it was like, am I doing it right? And if I'm doing it right, I think I'm going to heaven. And if I'm doing it wrong, then there's an eternal torment for me. Right? There was a scary thing about God's justice. Anybody feel me? Anybody with me on that? Yeah, it was a little bit, it was a little frightening. And so when I read the scriptures, because I read the scriptures like plainly, like, you know, not like we do now. And I'd be like, you know God wants me to like maybe exclude some people and limit some people and if I do that, then it seems like I'm okay but if I don't do that, if I don't limit and exclude it looks like God's justice might be upon me, right? And God wants me to maybe do some mundane kind of weird tasks or weird things and it seems like if I do that, like uh, if, if I don't do those weird tasks or things then God's justice might be upon me. It was this sense of like dread. So I grew up really scared of God and in fact, I left the church for seven years. Anybody feel me on that one? Yeah, I left the church because I was like, I don't believe in a God that I, like, if I'm scared, like, I'm just going to take my chances and not believe at all. Like, that's kind of how I felt. And yet, here we are with a justice or a just part of Christianity as part of our vision statement. So obviously things have shifted and changed. Now, why have things shifted and changed? I want you all to go deep with me today. Will you all go deep with me today? Yeah. Alright, because we're going to take a little tour of justice in our scriptures. Alright, and what I want to do is I want to go through and I want to tell you why this is going to be good news for us. So let's talk about justice. Let's go all the way back. Let's go all the way back to when God makes a covenant, which is a, bu- a business deal. God makes a business deal with Abraham, who was Abram at the time. And really what we can do from this is we can take all covenants. and and look at them in this time now all covenants in the time way back when right went like this you would get some animals you would get a goat you would get a, a heifer you would get a pigeon you would get whatever all right and here's what you would do with those things you would kill them you would kill them and then here's what you would do you would cut them in half okay you would cut them in half and then you would arrange them to create a bit of an aisle does that all make sense to you no, but it's real. It's what happened. You, you, you did that. You, you cut them in half. And, and, and what would happen is then, these dead animals would be on either side of you, cut in half, and you would walk down this aisle and you would say, I, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars for your land. And then your business partner, your business partner would say, and I'm going to uh, give you this land for X amount of dollars. And you'd walk down this aisle between these dead animals. Now, here's the justice part. The justice part was this. It was, it was should I not hold up my end of the deal May I become like these dead animals, all right? That's what it was. May I become bloated, bloody, entrails hanging out, cut in half, all the rest. This was completely and utterly normal in the time that this took place, okay? This feels weird to us. Completely normal then. If, if they were writing the Bible about us right now and they said, you who steal Doritos will be arrested, and you will go to jail, or you won't go to jail, but you'll go to court and probably have community service. Thus saith the Lord. Well, we think that would be weird. Not really, because that's sort of what justice looks like for us, right? Same thing for them. That's what justice looked like in their day. This wasn't a weird thing. In fact, God says uh, that when, when God's making a covenant with Abram, it says this So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to, to him, cut them in two, and arranged them in halves opposite each other. Okay? That's what business deals, covenants look like. Now, let's talk about justice. Because in Deuteronomy 28, when Moses is telling the Israelites how they're going to live, he says, hey, we have this covenant, and here's what God's justice will look like should you not live up to your end of the covenant. Um, It will look like this, and I have my notes out of order. Um, Anyway, basically what he says in Deuteronomy 28, he says, if you don't live up to your end of the covenant, curses are going to come upon you your body will be carcasses for food. (laughs) Or or your bodies will be turned into carcasses, be food for vultures. Like, on and on it goes, and they're all up there because I don't have my notes in front of me. So, anyway, that's what happens, right? What happens is uh, God says, if you don't hold up your end of the covenant, of the bargain, my justice is violence. My justice is punishment. My justice means that you are going to get what you deserve, and what you deserve is to look like a cut-in-half animal. All right? Now, that's sort of played itself over, and that's why we have this fear of God, because the God of the Old Testament is a pretty violent God. This God of the Old Testament is a very eye-for-an-eye kind of God. Now, here's what I'm going to say to that. I'm going to say once we get over sort of the horror of all of it, we like that justice. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say we like that kind of justice. The reason we like it is because people are getting what they deserve. Let's say you're in a restaurant, you're eating. All of a sudden a woman comes in and she holds up a gun and she shoots the gun into the air. And she says, everybody on the floor, take out your wallets, throw them out. She steals your wallet. You get up, right? You get up to just look around and she kicks you in the face. You're bloody, right? Now let's say like she goes to the register and she's like, give me all your money. They empty the register. The manager tries to stop her. She turns around, she shoots the manager, kills the manager. This is awful, right? Right? She takes all the money, takes all the wallets. You're scared to death. You're bloody. Someone's dead. She runs outside and boom! She gets hit by a bus. What would you say? <laughs> you would say, hmm, looks like she got what she deserved. You might even say, thank God that she did not get away. You might even say that. Because at the end of the day, we're happy with that kind of justice. We like that kind of justice. Even though we, oh God's violent and terrible, but she got what she deserved. I remember I lived in Philly when I was living in Philly. This is 10-11 years ago. uh, Terrible story, but it's a true story. Awful story where a man raped an 11-year-old girl. And they caught this man on camera walking past the bodega. So they had his face. So there was a manhunt for this this man. And uh, one day, he was walking through the neighborhood and a bunch of people saw him. And a bunch of people went up to him and said, you're you're the one that raped the, the girl. And they started beating him. And they killed him. True story. So the next day, the, the mayor of Philadelphia comes on, and uh, he goes, hey, um, we're not going to charge any of the people in the beating death of this person, this rapist. Uh, we feel like justice was served. And I sat in my car, and I was driving, I remember, and I was thinking, yeah, that's about right. Because at the end of the day, we're okay with that eye-for-an-eye mentality. I'll tell you how okay we are with this eye-for-an-eye mentality. I'm going to tell you how okay we are with the idea that violence is, is, is important in terms of justice. You want to know how okay we are with it? We've created a whole Christianity around it. How? All right, what I'm going to say to you. What I'm going to say to you is going to sound so passe, so blasé, so boring if you grew up in the church. Okay, it's going to sound that way. You ready to hear it? It goes like this. Jesus takes on our sins, the punishment that we deserve. Jesus pays the price that we might be free from punishment. That is God's justice for us. It actually looks like love. How many people grew up with that kind of sentiment? A few of us, right? God takes on my sins. God takes on the sins of the world. And now I'm seen as good. And yet, there's something really violent about that. Because God does not see me as good. God does not see me as good until something is killed. Until something is bloody. Until something has cut in half and entrails on both sides. God does not see me as clean or, 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 or whole or worthy until Jesus takes that on, takes on that pain, takes on that death. That's not grace. That's just an eye for an eye with one person getting the brunt of it instead of all of us. And yet it's at the core of our Christianity. Yeah, it's the thing that we, we you know, well, you know we, we sing about it. The wrath of God was satisfied. I was broken and I was beat up and then Jesus died for my sins and now we're all good. We, we say it's good news. There's no good news in that. It's still a violent justice. So Why? Why is justice, or why do we have just in our vision statement? Let's talk about it, and here we're going to talk about it by looking again at Jesus, okay? And when we look again at Jesus, uh, here's what we believe. We believe that Jesus is God incarnate. In other words, when we want to see the character of God, we look at Jesus in order to see the character of God. When we want to see what God really thinks or feels, we look at what Jesus is doing. And I'm going to read you a story of one of the things Jesus did. It says this, it says, another time Jesus went into the synagogue, And a man with a shriveled hand was there, and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and the hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. All right. Jesus breaks a covenant. Remind me one time what happens when you break a covenant. You become like what? What? <laughs> One more time. No, no. Um, yeah, you become like dead animals. That, that, that's, that's the covenant. The covenant is that there is violence inflicted upon you. The Pharisees have every right, every right, to want to go back and say, how do we kill this man? He's breaking covenants. Now, here's the thing. Seven different times in our Gospels, Jesus breaks a covenant. Seven different times. In seven different times, what that tells us is that Jesus is deserving of death, of violence. That's what it tells us every single time. And yet, you know what happens every single time Jesus breaks a covenant? Every single time. Someone is restored. Someone is reconciled. Someone is resurrected. Every time. This man's hand is restored. Sight is restored to those who were blind, to the woman caught in adultery who the covenant says she should be killed. Jesus brings dignity, restores her, resurrects her, gives her new life. He says, go and sit no more. Basically, he's not saying like, watch out, I'm going to get you next time. But it's saying like, no, there's dignity to your life. You are whole. Now go out and live like you are whole. Seven times, Jesus breaks the covenant. Every single time, Jesus restores, reconciles, and resurrects. Every time. So, the death and resurrection is still incredibly important to us. Why? It's incredibly important to us because what I see God doing is going, Hey, I love you. You've always been whole. You've always been someone who is good. I see your suffering and I see your pain and I don't want that for you. In fact, what I want to do is I want to show you that I suffer with you through Jesus. And so there is a death and it's painful just like the deaths that we face, just like the pain we face, the shame we face. But it's not the end of the story because what God says is don't focus on the death. Focus on the fact that I'm resurrecting you. I'm making you whole. And the death of Jesus Christ is not so that I change my mind about you. It's that you change your mind about me, that I've always seen you as beautiful. And I've always seen you as whole and worthy of new life and resurrection every single time. That is the justice of God. God's justice is always restoring us. It's always reconciling us. It's always resurrecting us. That is what it's doing. That's good news. I'll take that. Communally, what does that mean? What does it mean for us, communally? You know, I think about justice in our world, and I think about what it means, community. First of all, it means that we are loved enough that God wants to see us bring justice to broken systems, okay? And so I think about Eric Garner, and I think about Trayvon Martin, and I think about broken justice, and I think restorative justice says we restore systems so that the white white supremacist systems that, that allow for their deaths with nothing else to happen, that ends, right? That's restorative justice. We're fixing that broken system. I think the idea of ICE, right, separating families. Now, some people will say, well, those migrants, they committed a crime. Regardless of what you think, Does the crime and punishment fit families being separated? That's something that has to be fixed. That's restorative justice. We're restoring that. There are marijuana laws that are putting nonviolent offenders in jail for years in this state. And yet our state's like, oh, maybe we should legalize marijuana, right? Without ever thinking once about the people that are put in, right? That needs to be restored. That needs to be fixed. That is God's restorative justice. God says, I love you so much, I want you to restore justice here as well. And this is the hard part. This is the hard part for me. You ready? This is what's really hard for me. God says, I want you to restore and bring justice to the Trayvon Martin, and I want you to bring justice to Eric Garner and help change that system. That's justice. But you know what else is justice? Seeing their perpetrators restored, reconciled, and resurrected as well. I don't want that. I want them beaten by a mob and killed. But that's not God's justice. God's justice is always restoration, reconciliation, resurrection. So what we say is, yes, I'm restoring. Uh, I, I want to see broken systems like ICE change, and I also want to see people who, who enact those broken systems in ICE, I want to see them restored, renewed, and resurrected. I want to see that for them too. And, and yeah, the, 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 the rapist, the college rapist who only gets three months in prison, I want to change that system. That system is broken, but I also want to see that rapist not be beaten, killed. I want to see that rapist restored, resurrected, and renewed. And, ooh, boy. But that's God's justice. And that's God's justice for me. Y'all, I've done so many things that have broken the peace of this world. Raise your hand if you've broken the peace of this world. If your hand's not raised, it means your hand's broken. <laughs> And the same thing happens to me. God says, no, I didn't need a violent death. I, I don't need to reconcile this through, through, through some kind of death and bloodiness and cutting it out in half. I want you to know that I'm always working for your, my restoration and my reconciliation and my resurrection, my new life. And so whatever we've done, whatever we're going to do, and we're going to do a lot, all of y'all are. God's saying, I see it, you're still whole. I'm still working for that, that, that resurrection for you the same way I'm doing it for everybody else. That's good news. It also means we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid that there's this God like going, well, justice might be you going to eternal torment. We don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid of living the wrong way or being scared. Now, here's the other thing that I think restoration means. It means that, you know, this isn't a scot free thing. It's not like, well, I guess we just do whatever we want because God's always working to restore us anyway. No, restoration takes time. I love 12-step, the 12-step program. I was in one for a while. I love it. And the reason I love it is because they say, We're here to make you whole. We're here to restore you, but you need to look inwardly. You need to be honest about the questions you're asking. You need to be honest about your actions. And we want you to make amends with the people you hurt. We want to see you restored and renewed, but we want you to make amends with the people that you've hurt. And we want to see you restored and renewed. You are are whole. You are made whole. But we want to see you have accountability. That's part of the restoration process for us, too. It's not like, well, anything goes. It's like, no, there's some really mature ways we bring peace to this place by allowing God to restore us in those ways too. And sometimes it means living out of consequence, doesn't it? But that's not God punishing us. That's not God going, well, you did it wrong. This is my justice upon you. No, this is part of our restoration process. Here's the last thing that is good news about God's justice. I, a, I went to a wedding last week. One of our deacons got married, Joel. It was good, it was fun. And he got married, he married Nelson, and Joel and Nelson are wonderful people. And I went, we went to the wedding, my wife and I, and, and while we were there, we got to officiate, and, and, then, um, and then it was the Mother's Son dance, you all know the Mother's Son dance? So the mother Son dance was happening, and one of Joel's friends was standing there, and he was emotional, like, and I was like, and, wow, you're really emotional over the Mother's Son dance, like, you know, like, what's going on? And he goes, listen, as a gay man, all I ever want, all we ever want is to be told that we are whole. All we ever want is to be told that we can be loved. All we ever want is to be told that we're okay. And over and over and over, throughout all the years, people tell us we're not loved, we're not whole, we're not okay. And he goes, I'm looking right now at Joel, and his mom's arms are around him, and he's being wrapped and enveloped in love. And he just got married to Nelson, and it was the most beautiful thing in the world, and I am celebrating the fact that today we are celebrating wholeness in this community. And then I got something in my eye. (laughs) And I did. And I thought, this is God's restorative justice. For the lies that we have been told, that we are not enough, that we are broken. For the lies that we've been told that we're not whole because of an orientation or identity. For the lies that we've been told because we have shame. That we did something to deserve the shame. Those lies are not, they are lies. I was going to say those lies are not true. Obviously, <laughs> they're not true. And the good news is, is God is sitting there going, I see you. You've always been whole. And I'm continually, constantly working to, to make that happen in your life by reconciling, resurrecting, and restoring. That is what's true for us, all of us, full stop. And that is good news too. That's God's justice. Here's the good news for today. God is not out for violence. God doesn't want it. God's not trying to send you someplace. All God wants is for you to know you're whole. And God's doing the work in your life right now so that you know that you're whole, that I know that I'm whole. And this is good news that we should spread. This is good news worth telling others about. This is good news that makes this place and this church consequential. This is good news that saves lives. So all I want you to do today is to hear that good news and then to have the courage to take part in it. That we have a God who says, I am just. We have a church that says we live out this justice and it's always, always, always restoration, reconciliation, sweet Jesus, resurrection. Amen. God, there's nothing we could do today but give thanks. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to give thanks. We're going to give thanks because we don't need to be afraid of you. We're going to give thanks because we are not going to be cut in half. And that's not your covenant for us. Your covenant is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, it's not in the blood sacrifice that you need. No, it's in the resurrection, the life that comes after it. So we pray that in our hardest parts, that you would restore us and renew us. Let that be your justice upon us and we thank you for the ways it's already been restored and renewed and healed. Pray this in your name. Amen.